Here we are now with another episode of the Andrew Lake Podcast. My name is Dosta, also known as Andrew. I prefer the name Dosta these days. That's a story that's already been told, at least in part. Today I'd like to talk about dream theatre. And I'd like to talk about this specific album, Scenes from a Memory. This really is a juicy album. I love this album so much. I've listened to this so many times. And really, one of the things we're always talking about here, you and me, if you've listened to the words that come out in a similar sort of situation as they are right now, you will know that we talk about meditation quite a lot. And we talk about therapy. And we talk about memories and experientialism. And that's why I thought today we could talk about this album, Scenes from a Memory, because it really brings the best of both worlds together. As it's a concept album, which is based on this idea of past lives. And really, the art of the album is lost in our modern world. The album the CD. Now, when you had vinyls, there was a time limit. You had to turn it over. You had your first part, your second part. The age of the vinyls was somehow limited. But in the age of the CD, and the same was, there was a short period there where where we had tapes, cassette tapes. But in the age of the CD, you had about an hour to an hour and ten minutes Something like this, where your listener would put on the CD, press play, and listen all the way through. And many bands crafted their music to this kind of audience. Now music is crafted to an audience of short attention spans. (laughs) Let's not turn this into a rant about our current cultural climate. (laughs) I can see how it would easily turn into that sort of conversation. But let's reminisce. Let's go back to the the age around the the mid-90s to the late 90s when this album was released. I believe this album was released in 1999. And they called this a concept album. It's really a story, there's a narrative, and there's a concept behind it. You put it on and you listen all the way through, and it takes you on a journey. And there is what to call it a official interpretation of this album. There's a making of, and there's a whole bunch of releases by the band about what these characters in this story mean and what the message is. And that's 
quite good, but today I'd like to share more of, well, what's my impression of it? What do I take from this story? And what is a different sort of interpretation of this narrative? Because we have these characters, this main character who is a seeker, and he's haunted by these dreams or these things that keep on coming up to him. So he goes to a therapist to do past life reliving or a sort of memory reconstructing to understand a trauma or to uh, bring a clarity to what is in his past, what is in his experience and why things keep coming up. And there's a significant event as there is a murder And there are other characters. There is this girl, Victoria, who was the one who was murdered. And there is her lover. And then there is our protagonist. So there are these three characters. And as the story unfolds, this event is seen in multiple different ways, from multiple angles. Each time as the album unfolds, this event takes a different turn, a different meaning, a different significance to it. So these characters, the hypnotherapist, Nicholas is the name of our protagonist, and Victoria, this girl that was murdered, and her lover, they're all interconnected and they're all related in different ways. Now, in one way, in a sort of surface-level way, this Nicholas and this lover of Victoria are related because they're called the brothers, or they, they, they call each other as brothers. He's my brother. How could he do this to me? So there's a betrayal there. But then in another way, you can see that the protagonist and this other man are really the same person. They're really one and the same. And this comes to a deep psychological analysis of split psyches. Split, I wouldn't say personalities, sort of like, more like a split soul. Like there's multiple people inside this person. Now, there is a difference between reliving memories from your life and reliving past lives. And it's not always clear what exactly is happening in this story. And we can merge the two. And that's what's the brilliant thing about this album is that it has that multiple interpretations. It has this multiple ways of looking at it. And you could even say that there's only one character in this story, even including, even including the hypnotherapist. It might be that he is also part of this, and it's an inner exploration of one man trying to find things for himself, and his feelings of these events in his life are really just different parts of him. These characters are really just different parts of him. And the reason we 
the reason this I'm suggested to this is because the characters, well, the characters are sometimes referred to as different things, like the character is sometimes called the seeker, the one who's on the quest for truth, the one who's seeking closure. Sometimes the characters are called the miracle. And sometimes the characters are talking about other characters and finding new information, such as the old man in the house that says, Lad, did you know what girl was murdered here? This fatal tragedy was talked about for years. Now, even that character can be seen as a smaller part of our lead character. So it's a very fascinating story. It's a very complex, multi-interpretational... <laughs> I don't know if that's a word. There are multiple ways to interpret it, and that's what's so brilliant about it. That's what's so wonderful about the different ins and outs of this story. So the album begins as a guided meditation. And the voice of the hypnotherapist is guiding this man in the patient, into a safe place. And of course, also, there is the clicks, the sounds. And if you listen to this album in stereo, it's one in each year going back and forth. And this clicking, and sometimes hypnotherapists use different sounds or a, a pendulum swinging side to side, is to hypnotize this person into different parts of their subconscious or their unconscious being. So that's the opening. And I always get this, this voice. Whenever I hear this hypno, it's, it's, the, the narrator is Terry Brown on the album. That's the actual person. But I always get the, <laughs> I always get the, the face of Terence Stamp, the actor, in my head when, <laughs> when I hear this voice. I just somehow think they sound similar. I guess Terence Stamp has a similar sounding deep, solemn voice. And and even Anthony Hopkins. I, I get Anthony Hopkins and Terence Stamp mixed up as well, but Anthony Hopkins was Hannibal Lecter. And he's just, I guess, old white men with a serious, clear, but warm voice. <laughs> it's easy to get them mixed up. So the voice, I really like the voice of this Terry Brown. He's a record producer. And he, he plays the role well of hypnotherapist. And as all stories, all good adventures begin, he's safe in the light that surrounds him. And he's free of the fear and the pain. And he starts to... So he begins comfortable. The world is stable. And then things start to swirl. Things spin through time. And he joins the past. And he becomes hazy and the dream becomes unreal. And as it is becoming hazy, then he becomes clear and the scene becomes clear, like watching my life on a screen, as the lyrics go. And he says, Hello, Victoria. So glad to see you, my friend. So this process of going into the past always has moments of haziness about them. And it always passes through this 
swirling, sort of ungrounded, dreamy phase. To go back into the past, take something of a unstable moment or two. And then track two is the overture. And this is a great opening. This is a wonderful opening. It's just a big fanfare of the band rocking and they're introducing all these themes and there's all these melodies and these great guitar solos, great keyboard solos and they're changing harmonies and they've got these chord progressions and the drummer's doing all these rhythms. And really in this first overture, this well, it serves as an overture. The overture is the overture, which is to lay out the thematic material and to show the listener what sort of range we can expect in this story, how much depth we can expect to find. And it really sets the stage. The overture, as is classically, it's, its classical function of course, the, the word overture usually is heard most in classical music. It's the setting of the stage and the preparing for what's coming. And just to whet your appetite. And there's all these little themes and these little hits and these little motives that they put into the overture, which come up again and again, which serve to link together these different parts of the story. And as with most concepts or symphonies, each character is related to a theme, music, a musical theme. Each character or each memory or each scene also has its own motives, its own moods. So there's the hard rock and there's a little bit of metal in there. And there's also the jarring rhythms of the sort of the claves and the threes and the twos and the uneven time signatures and then there's also the floating waltz the waltz is a very big part of this album and it comes up at key moments or the 128 i don't know if the, i don't know if you call it a waltz really it's not 34 it's 128 so the triplet feel the slow that's a 12-8. So that's a key theme. That's a key musical theme. And, and this overture, 1928, this second track, is, is just a wonderful opening. There's so much in it. Track three. This is Strange Deja Vu. So a deja vu is giving this sense of, is this a memory or has it happened before when you're in the present moment? So our character's sense of time starts to blur. And that's another indication that these characters are related more intimately than just as different characters. And let me tell you something which 
is quite a big pill to swallow. The deeper you go into your past, the more the line is blurred between when events took place. And it can be to the point where you end up feeling and experiencing that all events have taken place at the same time. So he's going into these memories, into these past lives, and he's finding these new things. He's finding things that are unfinished. He's finding a whole life waiting. And the lyrics say that he's drawn to a house. And he goes up the room and he goes, goes in to, to see the girl in a mirror. And her face is getting clearer. And she asks, and he asks, young child, won't you tell me why I'm here? She says, tonight I've been searching. I've been trying to find a feeling that's deep inside me. I'm searching for the one that nobody knows, trying to break free. So this Victoria girl is a seeker in the same way that Nicholas is a seeker. He's seeking for the truth. And she's seeking for someone who can break her free and to tell her story and to bring her closure. So he's still in a lot of chaos and he's having these scenes come up and he's having these different visions. But it's becoming clear that both sides, both characters have this theme of seeking, of wanting to know the truth. And of course, at the end of this, he's put deeper into chaos. It's not just a process of oh, things become hazy and then the memory becomes clear and then he has some clarity and rinse and repeat, that's the process. No, it's coming even deeper than that because after a few of those, things become unstable and he's starting to question his sense of reality. And the very closing, the end of the lyrics of this track, Strange Deja Vu, he says, I just can't help myself. I'm feeling like I'm going out of my head. Uncanny, strange deja vu, but I don't mind. I hope to find the truth. So he's willing to delve into the chaos and to really question his sense of reality, of what's real. What is a memory? What has happened? And breaking down what has happened and being willing to listen to a character of the past to say, well, what was the truth of it? And tell me why I'm here. He might have had his own intentions. His initial intentions might have been, well, I need to put rest to these feelings in my head. But now that he's encountered this character in his deep subconscious, in his deep memory, 
He's willing to say, well, why am I here? So he's allowing himself to open up to different things. And then the next song, Through My Words, it's a short interlude. He says, all your eyes have ever seen and all you've ever heard is etched upon my memory, spoken through my words. All that I take with me is all you've left behind. We're sharing one eternity, living in two minds. Linked by an endless thread, impossible to break. So there's something deep about the connection between these characters, between Nicholas and this woman, Victoria. And it's not exactly clear if he's speaking, well, chronologically and in terms of the narrative of one after the other, yes, he's speaking to Victoria, but that also brings up this other thing of who is he talking to? And he could be talking to all of the characters. This could be a blanket declaration that we are sharing one eternity. And even it goes deeper than that because you realize that the singer is singing to the audience, which is you. And there's a affiliation there, which is drawing you in, which is to say that your memories are etched upon my memories. All your eyes have ever seen are all etched on my life as well. We're, we're sharing one eternity, but we're in two minds. As in you, the listener, and this singer who is singing a song. So there is a connection there between, well, what is your part in this story? What is the listener's part in this story? And that starts to shine in this small interlude through my words, which then goes into Fatal Tragedy. And wow, Fatal Tragedy, what a song. Fatal Tragedy is one of the songs in, in the entire dream theater repertoire, which stands out as just like a bang, knock it out of the park. What a song. They play this song live, and this is the song everyone talks about on this album or one of them at least. The other one is Dance of Eternity. But Fatal Tragedy, wow, what a song. And it starts with this piano interlude, and it's he's going back to feeling so strange at night, and he needs to have answers to his dreams, and why can't he sleep? What does this all mean? He goes to another place, he closes his eyes, he goes back, and then he finds this this man saying, Lad, did you know what girl was murdered here? Only memories remain. She's passed away. She was so young. And there's all these things of him going into this memory. And this man that he's talking to says, you'll learn the truth as your future days unfold. You've come this far. It's opening up to you. Without love, without truth, there can be no turning back. Without faith, without hope, there can be no peace of mind. So he's in it now. He's in the thick of it. There's no way out of it. And of course, there's this beautiful 
instrumental, long instrumental interlude, or I don't know if we shouldn't say interlude. It's a exposition. I don't know. I don't know the right word for it. But they launch off into this amazing, rocking sequence of exploring the motives. And there are guitar solos and there are riffs and there are drum hits. And most notably, what I like in, in this section is the, the tambourine in the end. When they're all playing the 16th notes. And the tambourine's going. It's just got this really good beat, this really driving beat. Yeah, it's it's a real banger of a tune. And then at the end, it's the dum bum dun bomb. And the hypnotherapist comes back and he says, Now it is time to see how you died. Remember that death is not the end, but only a transition. So he's assumed the role of Victoria and he's experiencing it through her eyes. And this is the key moment of the, the key event in the life is the murder and this line, remember that death is not the end, but only a transition, that's also a line that fits as a part of this narrative, but also a life insight. It's a statement about our situation within reality. It's a statement about our mortality. And that's something that is strengthening this connection between the listener, you, and this story. Because this is an important truth of the story that death is just a transition because when Victoria dies, she transitions into something else and it might be that this man is now regressing into a past life. So it's not... It comes back to this difference between a memory and a past life. But also you can just take it as a blanket, a, a, a statement out of context. It stands as its own. It stands on its own as a statement that remember that death is not the end, but only a transition. Can you believe that? Now, it doesn't mean that some point in the future there's going to be someone having a hypnotherapist session in order to relive memories and experiences from your life. <laughs> that might not be how it works. It might not be that the events unfold that way. And it might not be that the significance of the events in your life really warrant that. It might not be that you need to haunt someone for you to rest in peace. <laughs> but does this sound esoteric? Does this sound too much like a theory or a a religious, just a, a, a wishy-washy belief. And we can get into theories of life and death and what it means to have death as a transition. But really, it's a statement to just ponder. It's not something to be convinced of or otherwise. 
And it doesn't matter about past life's regressions or remembering or resting in peace or any of that. It's just a thread. It's a point that can be taken. And I'm not here to explain the ins and outs of past life reliving. I don't really know much about it myself. And I'm not here to break down the wall, which is initially that when you say, oh, when we talk about past lives, we say, well, how can you remember your past lives? Do past lives even exist? Does reincarnation even exist? We're not here to make that argument. There's really, there's really only ever two conversations that can take place. There's the conversation which is trying to break down that wall or not. And usually if it's an argument, then it's unsuccessful. There's, there's no way to really ever convince anyone of anything. And then there's the conversation of, well, let's just assume there is such thing as past lives and death really is just a transition. Now, what does that mean? What does that leave us with? What are, our, what are our options? So that's why this statement, remember that death is not the end, but only a transition, is a juicy one. There's a lot in that. There's so much in that. A transition to what? And does a transition mean that what's, what's, what was is now lost? And what is lost in death? And what is gained? Part 6, track 6, Beyond This Life. This is the headline of this young girl killed, desperate shooting, and apparently the killer killed himself. And there was this witness who ran to see what happened. And this is the story, this is this one of the stories, it's like the official story of what happened. And it's sort of in this fast 5-4 rocking ding 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 this sort of beat of this scene of the murder. And then there's a break in the music, and all of a sudden it becomes soft and a little bit eerie. And the voice has this the singer the singer has this effect on his voice, which is sort of watery. And after all this rocking out, he sings. Our deeds have travelled far. What we have been is what we are. Our deeds have travelled far. What we have been is what we are. And then it builds up again and it's back to the rocking and it was apparently that she wanted love forever but he had this other plan. He had this, these addictions and I think the official story goes is that he had an alcohol addiction and he became a, I guess, I guess she says, I can't love a, a wayward man. So when you love someone but they lose their way to dark habits like drinking or drugs, 
and you have to break up with them. And she, in the lyrics go, she may have found a reason to forgive if only he had tried to change. And then there's all these questions like, had a violent struggle taken place? There was a switchblade on the ground. Was the victim unaware? Was their fatal meeting prearranged? It could have been a suicide letter. Maybe he had lost her love. Maybe he was planning to kill himself all along. All these questions, all these things are coming into what really happened, what was really going on. And then the music comes back to this soft, our deeds have travelled far. What we have been is what we are. And then this chorus of all that we learn this life is carried beyond this life. What we have been is what we are. All that we learn this time is carried beyond this life. What we have been is what we are. And there's a great instrumental interlude. This is just so rocking. They have this funky... With this strong backbeat on snare on snare drum on the three. And there's a wah-wah guitar solo. And then they start... They, they, they change into different keys. And they do transpositions. And then the keyboard comes in with a solo and he's playing in a different key and there's two different keys happening at once and there's all these tensions and then they extend the phrases with these hits and there's uneven bar lines but it still fits the phrases and then they all come together into this I can't sing all of it but it's that it's that one passage where it comes together and comes back to the opening funk theme it's like it, it, it's a, a, a variation on a theme in the most playful and fun way I can ever imagine. Like, you start with your theme, you take it out, you take it up, you rock out on it, you do your solos, and then it becomes an whole, a complete mess, and there are things happening all over the place, and then they bring back the original theme. And that kind of resolution, that, ah, we're back where we started, is a real just uplifting, it's, it's an amazing passage. I love this song. It's, it's, a, real, it's a real epic of a, of a funk rock part of this, this album. And it's really one of the best bits, I'd say, is that funky... Funky line of and then of course it it opens up and they transition into the twelve eight beat, which is that big all that we learn this time is carried beyond this life, and that's the same our deeds or and of course also the our deeds have traveled far and wide, what we've been is what we are. That which was previously this watery, quiet effect is now this big rolling orchestral with big power chords and big sound, big drum beat. It's, it's, the drama has upped the ante. The plot has thickened. It's this huge thing which is now 
really in the midst of what this character is looking for. And to put it simply, it's just a bloody banger of a song. It's just a great song. Listen to it. You'll hear that lick that I'm talking about. I've listened to it so many times. Then we come to part seven, Through Her Eyes. And this is a after all the, the first act. It's the end of the first act. And all the rock and the metal and the complicated lines and the guitar solos and all the transitions and the instrumental interludes, all this stuff, it comes to this soft, almost heavenly song. And it's almost like there's an angel singing. And it's this beautiful scene where he's talking about how she never really had a chance and she's feeling for the victim. And she's, he's feeling that he's opened to this tragedy and there's this sadness that grows in him. And he goes to the churchyard gates where the grass is overgrown and he looks at her tombstone and he feels so sad in loving memory of our child, it says. And he cries like part of him had died. Now you notice that lyric there when it says, like part, he, he says, like part of me had died. That's a very subtle indication that there's something happening there. Let me read the whole let me read the whole verse of what's happening here. So he's gone to the grave and he's standing at her grave and he's feeling sad for her death. And on the grave it says, In loving memory of our child, so innocent, eyes open wide. And then he says, I felt so empty as I cried, like part of me had died. Or maybe she actually was him. And it maybe it really was a part of him, quite literally, part of his psyche, part of his inner world, because these characters are one in the same. So that's a very subtle indication there that can be taken. This this word like. Whenever you hear this word like, I think that should be a trigger word. That there should always be a, a bell sound. Whenever, one, whenever someone hears the word like, there should be a ding sound because it's there's a correlation between two things which are connected. It's basically what like means. It means you are this. It means there's something similar to something else, but it's not exactly the same. But really... A lot of the time when people use the word like, it means they are the same thing. They're really just saying, they're re- really just saying like, it is the same thing, like. Well, when, when you use the word like too much, usually that means you're not saying anything. And maybe that's the problem. You're just saying, well, everything's the same. You're not differentiating. And this is a bit of a tangent. I don't mean to go off on a rabbit hole. Because the word like is, in many contexts, well, it's always metaphorical. That's the idea. It's a poetic illustration. It's a poetic technique. A simile. Something like something. Something like something. And in poetry, of course, it's used when something is not 
really like something. For dramatic effect. Like the oceans on the waves of the shore. Like the waves of the ocean on the shore. My wife was telling me to do something like the waves of the ocean on the shore. <laughs> I don't know if your wife's much like that. I'm sure, I'm sure not. Let's just say not. Maybe at certain times she is. <laughs> I don't know if she'd be much up for poetry if that's the case. But this is a tangent. Like part of me had died. I'm learning all about my life by looking through her eyes, says the singer. And it's this sad song. It's this grieving, grieving song about looking through her eyes and really feeling for this character. When you enter a character, when you enter a part of your psyche, you feel it. It's one thing to say, well, what happened? Who killed who? Who was there? What's the story? What do we say what happens? That's one thing. But this is much deeper because it's going into the feelings. And you know he's really getting deep because he's empathizing. And he's empathizing by experiencing it. Experiencing the sadness. And what does that mean if it's a part of himself? He's experiencing the sadness of a part of his own inner world. Do you realize that it's possible to do that? Do you realize that it's possible to open up to a memory that you have and to really feel the memory even more deeper than you did at the time? And that's where this past life regression and emotional suppression, repression, collide. That's where there's a difference. There's a, there's a similarity there, which is that your emotional repression might be also that you're repressing a memory. And when you unlock your memories, you unlock emotions. So they're all connected and they're all part of the process of going back and finding what's happening in your inner world. So the next song is Home. And he opens up to realizing that this new information means things need to change for him. And things seem fake. He says, I can't shake this charade. It's getting me nowhere. Home is where I long for. Back home is where I belong. The city it calls me. I can't keep away from its clutch. It's calling me back to my home. And finding new information about yourself means that you have to rearrange your understanding. And it might be that you realize you were living something quite fake. Living a charade means living something that's not quite real. It's a, it's a front when you really have the truth of the matter brought to you, 
well, then the fake really becomes really fake and you can't ignore what is fake. And it's not worth it to you. There's a point where the truth becomes more enticing. It becomes prudent. It's knocking on the door in such a way that you can't ignore it. And it's at that point what's not true is really starting to burn. It's really starting to feel, ugh, just, I'm sick of it. The story continues. He says, I never thought that I could carry on with this life, but I can't resist myself, no matter how hard I try. Living their other life is getting me nowhere. I'll make her my wife. Her sweet temptation calls me home. Now, is it that he planned to kill her and then himself, but then chickened out and killed her and this other lover, this brother, and then decided to just live on and forget about it? Is that the thing that he uncovers? Is that he killed his lover and his own brother because his brother stole her from him? Deception, dishonor, it's calling me back to my home. Regression, obsession, I can't keep away from her touch. Leave no doubt to find out. It's calling me back to my home. So this idea of home, when you, there's the literal home, which he's, so you can say he's being drawn to the house, which is his home, which is the scene of this murder. But then there's also the metaphorical home of being back to the truth, being back as one being back at peace and also being back with this relationship, being back with this woman. So these three, let's put it like there's three ways. There's he wants the truth. He wants to be in love with this woman, Victoria. And there's also the home of feeling at home in this house, which is the stage of this scene, this significant event, the murder. And they're all colliding because he can't have them. He can't have them all work together. He needs to make peace with, with the fact that his home was not a place of truth. It was not a place where he could be with his love. Because he turned bad. There was this other man, this brother of his, has stolen this woman from him. The story continues, but there's a instrumental of Dance of Eternity. And this really is a great track. It's a great instrumental. It's another one of those tracks when, which people talk about Dream Theater. They, they talk about Dance of Eternity. Like this is one of the masterpieces in their repertoire, along with Fatal Tragedy. It's this one in Fatal Tragedy that is so popular and so amazing. And there's so much to it, like to arrange that amount of music, to compose it, 
and it just flows from one piece to another, from one motive to another. There's a, a an attack, an attention to it, which really brings things alive. It really makes things, well, it makes things dance. And it's called the dance of eternity because it's at the point in this story where these characters are all around and they're jarring with each other. There's this new drama between them. There's this tension between them. What do they mean? What do they want? What's going to happen? Is there any resolution? And of course it says eternity, which comes back to this theme of oneness or the bigger picture of this story, of what this story means. And musically there are well, well, there's this thing of, of threes and twos in music, which is one, two, three, one, two, and that's it. So one, you can do, you can do threes, which is one, two, three, 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 one, two, three. Or you can do, you can do twos, which is one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. And then you can have any combination of that, which is, one two one two three one two one two three one two one two three or one two three one two three one two one two three one two three one two so these cells and and often you've also got the bar line so you can fit it into four four but in this song dance of eternity they're really exploring the so that's like a really fast version of this twos and threes and they're changing lots of different combinations of it and they're moving these different pitches and these arpeggios across them to make this dramatic effect of like this and it's really it's really intricate stuff i mean they they by no means go as far as they don't take it as far as some fusion bands and some modern bands now but in its time and and anyway the complexity of it and the drama of it is really still something to be admired it's it's something to it's a musicality there's a musicality to this tune, and it's not just technical. It's not just musicians showing off. There's an effect that needs to be made in this song at this point in the story, which serves as a part of the story to the larger picture, to the larger, the larger narrative. So a lot of the fans and the musicians that admire these this band of dream theater, of course, they're technically proficient and they're so well-versed in the music. And there's these great guitar solos and these great technical parts, but it's also musical. It's poetic. It's there for a reason. And that's what makes this so great, this dance of eternity. And then the next track is One Last Time. And Nicholas is saying it doesn't make any sense, this tragic ending. So he's back in the, the chaos of saying there's something still missing. He can't make he can't put it all together. Are these her memories awakened through my eyes? An open door I walk on through into his bedroom, feeling as cold as outside, the walls disappear to some woman who's screaming. 
A man pleads forgiveness. His words I cannot hear. So that's the big ascending moment in the music. You have this sense of going towards the light, going into the light. Now, there's a motive there when someone's dying. You say, oh, you'll go, go towards the light. Or when you're dying, you follow towards the light. And there's a reason that motive comes up around death. And it's used here as an entrance into the the climax of the story. It's the pinnacle of the story, which is this murder. And he enters into the very moment when someone has been killed. And it's not exactly clear which role he is playing and what exactly happens. Because he says, a man pleads forgiveness, his words I cannot hear. And then we reach to another quiet ballad, and there are these questions which now go deeper than just the narrative that this protagonist has been playing out. This story, this journey that the protagonist has been on, this quest to find answers around this event of this murder and who he is and these characters and these dreams, the plot thickens again when it becomes existential. He realizes that it's not just a question of what happened, but it's a question of who he is. And not even who he is, but how does reality work? He's questioning his sense of reality. And also, you notice that in this song, The Spirit Carries On, the opening is also something that can be taken as an existential statement, out of context. They're just words. They're, They're words that can be taken in this story and out of this story. They're bigger than the story itself. And there are, quest- there are questions which address are addressed to the listener. They're questions that we even have to deal with. Which brings us into the story even further. We've come with Nicholas on his journey. And now he's brought us into a deeper connection with the story so far that the story turns inside out in a way. And it becomes something that is actually for you to learn from or to bring something to your attention which is existential. So the spirit carries on, the singer says. Where did we come from? Why are we here? Where do we go when we die? What lies beyond? And what lay before? Is anything certain in life? They say life is too short. The here and the now, and you're only given one shot. But could there be more? 
have I lived before? Or could this be all that we've got? And then we hear the return of the 12-8 beat of the waltzing, flowing music. And he sings about, if he dies tomorrow, he'll be all right because the spirit carries on. He's not scared anymore. And he finds that he's got this new piece from what he's learnt. This new peace from this journey. This peace from going back into his past lives. This peace from confronting and questioning his sense of reality. And there is the grand finale, the beautiful, glorious, heavenly return of safe in the light that surrounds me, free of the fear and the pain. My questioning mind has helped me to find the meaning in my life again. Victoria's real, I finally feel at peace with the girl in my dreams. And now that I'm here, it's perfectly clear I've found out what all of this means. So this seems like a happy ending. This seems like, wow, he's got what he came for. It seems like, well, the therapy worked. And he's found his resolution and he's done the work. And it's turned out how it could be. He's been able to reinterpret everything. And not just reinterpret, but to piece together and recontextualize and really mismatch up everything in this past and his experience to have a new resolve. And a new resolve is a key point in the reliving of the past. After many ups and downs of many hazy, dreamy bits and these questions and these confusions and who is who and is that their voice or is that my voice and what was the motive and this story seems fake and now things seem like a charade and I need to live up to my truth. After all that, there is a point of stability. There is a point of resolve. There is a point of feeling like, yes, this is it. I've got the answers. And the hypnotherapist brings Nicholas out of his session by saying, oh, you're once again surrounded by a brilliant light. And I'll, after I, the light dissipates, you'll slowly fade back into consciousness, remembering all you have learnt. And he says, open your eyes, Nicholas. And it's this peaceful return, this resolve of the end of the story. The last track is a reliving of this significant event, the murder, but totally differently because it's from the point of view that this murderer has committed this and he wants to cover it up. And it's not exactly clear who is who at this stage. 
it's not exactly clear that Nicholas has made the connection that all these characters are him. And this line of open your eyes, Nicholas, which was peaceful and opening like a resolution, then gives way to this drama of, oh, how could she leave me? I'd rather take my own life. There's still all these conflicting views, these conflicting feelings. And he feels like he's got away with it. But then a shot comes out of the night. Now, what exactly has he got away with? And who is this other person that's making this shot, who's confronting him? And something happens, and he finds that he's feeling free. But is he deceiving himself? Is he still ignoring things? And the album takes a sort of cinematic turn because there are sound effects of this man going into this, getting out of his car, walking up the garden path into his house, turning on the radio, and there's some things, there's some, there's a CNN report of this sort of, in this sort of voice of like a news report of, oh, there's this, this string of events of these tragedies and some misfortunes. And it's not exactly clear what the CNN reporter is talking about, whether it's Nicholas or not. But it's just words that add to this, oh, it's real. It's not just him. It's on the news. And you can't fake it anymore. You can't ignore it. And it appears that the hypnotherapist has followed Nicholas. Now, in the, in the generic sense of the story, the hypnotherapist has, in the surface interpretation of the story, the hypnotherapist follows Nicholas into his house and then says, open your eyes, Nicholas. And Nicholas goes, ah, and he's shocked. Now, the difference there between the hypnotherapist saying, open your eyes and it's a relaxed thing, and the difference between open your eyes and, oh, it's a shock, well, that's the difference between seeing the truth and not. That's the difference between really knowing what happened. Because if you really could see, if he could really see that he did murder this woman, it would be too much of a shock for him. But that's the shock that he's had. That's the thing that he's been brought to. But on a deeper level, you can say that the hypnotherapist is the same, one and the same as Nicholas. And they're all the same characters. They're all the same people. And he's trying to figure out these different parts of his psyche within him. Maybe he did kill himself because of this part of him that he couldn't live with. And when we talk about a wayward man a man who's turned to drugs and alcohol and who can't be loved by his woman anymore and the woman has to let him down because he's too much addicted, well, that's like a death. That's like an ending. And there's a correlation there between having a part of you so from the, from the point of view of the wife in that sort of story, she's killing a part of herself. 
because she's breaking up with a man that she loves, but he's an alcoholic, so they can't be together. And when you're in love with someone, they're, they're a part of you. So to break up with someone is to kill a part of you. And then the other way around, if we turn it into this thing of Nicholas, well, he's the man who has this part of him who is a wayward or it's addicted. It's dark. It turns to alcohol. So for him to kill a part of him, to disown a part of him, to create this, what we call in psychotherapy, a shadow or a suppression, a psyche suppression, he's got to deny that he's got a problem. So denying that you've got a problem is one and the same as denying that these characters are a part of you. It's this complex of the alcoholic man that doesn't know that he's an alcoholic. He doesn't see it as a part of his identity. He's disowned it. He'd say, I wouldn't have a problem. That's not me. And so suppressing that as a character, well, there's a, there's a metaphor here all throughout this story, which is the suppressing of different characters. The killing of different characters and the, the, the significance of that murder, each murder, and the motive behind each murder being different depending from where it's being looked at. And all this comes out with the hypnotherapist saying, open your eyes, Nicholas. Which is the truth is now there. You've confronted, he's confronted parts of his inner world that can't be ignored anymore. If you open your eyes, then, ah, it's there. And it might even be that he's saying that to himself. Open your eyes because he knows what would prompt a man to say that to himself would be the exact moment when he realizes he knows something that he doesn't want to know or that he's been trying not to know. And this whole thing of inner world exploration through past life living or past life regression or memory reliving is a part of seeing something that is already inside you and that you can uncover for yourself if you just look at it in enough different ways. And you go through the process of questioning what really happened. How did things really turn out? Could there be different answers to it? And also connecting it to a larger story, which is the eternity that the spirit carries on. That life is much bigger than you initially thought. So I can see why a lot of people find this story confusing. I definitely found it confusing. It's a very it's a it's a psychological thriller, really. And these are just my impressions of it. I'm sure there are many different interpretations of this story because 
Well, that's the point of a good story, is that there's many interpretations. And, well, choose which one you like. And I really just like the, the music so much. I just think it, it all fits so well with the music. And the closing theme of the, the darkness. I'm so glad that it finished with a dark beat and a drum beat. It could have ended in the clouds. It could have ended positive with the angels singing. But really it ended dark. It ended with the open your eyes. Ah, the shock. They chose to, they chose to emphasize the shock of coming into truth rather than the resolution. And I really like that about this album. Now, there have been times, I must admit, when I have thought that this music was a little bit cheesy. Now, cheese is one thing that comes up every now and then. And I guess it really just depends on your palette, your sound palette. Now, when I was listening to a lot of jazz and a lot of acoustic music, which was quite complicated and had certain subtleties in it, which you don't find in progressive metal or metal or rock at large, well then, yeah, in a sense there are cheesy moments. And you can say it's cheesy, even in its story, even in the plot of, oh, who am I? What did I do? And the, the, the theme of, oh, this man has done something and now he's denying it to himself and he's living in denial, that's in a, well, you can call it a plot cliche or you can call it an archetype. It's a plot structure, which is well known and used many times. But I digress. What I was, what I was saying is the music, when the music sounds cheesy, is, it depends on my palate. So when I'm listening to lots of jazz and acoustic music, which has complex melodies and complex harmonies, it seems too simple to me. It seems too, there's too much compression. There's not enough rawness. But this is electric music. This is rock music. And when, I'm, when my palate is more like pop, when I'm listening to pop music, or more mainstream music, then the chords and the melodies in, in that sort of music are very simple. And I want something a bit more juicy. So if I've been listening to a lot of pop and then I put this on, wow, it's just like, poof, this is so much better. So really, whether it's cheesy or not, depends on how my palate is. And the sound palette and how that changes well, that's a deep conversation. That's a lot can be said about that. And being aware of that, that even that that is a thing, is a big step. Because it might be that you think, oh, I just put on this album, but I just don't feel it like I used to. Or it's not as good as I remember it. Or even I put on this album and I just don't like it. Well, maybe your palate's just not ready for it. But most of the time... At least recently, well, I'm talking about it now because recently, whew, it is a banger of an album. It is so good, really. There's very few, I mean, I haven't heard all Dream Theater albums. There's a lot of Dream Theater albums. 
Another one I like is train of thought. I've heard images and words, but it's not as memorable as train of thought. And they have a lot of live albums. Systematic Chaos, I listen to that quite a bit. Falling to Infinity, that's pretty good. Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence, that was, the, that was the album that came out after, right after Scenes from a Memory, I believe. And then there's a few, like Systematic Chaos I thought was a bit flat. I guess Systematic Chaos is later, when you get later into their career then things have changed. Only only eight years after Scenes from a Memory. And then now they have, the most recent one is Distance Over Time. And I haven't heard all of that, but it's, that's, that's 20 years after Scenes from a Memory. So a lot has changed in the band since then. I think they have a different drummer, actually, on that album. But I don't really like it too much. I haven't really listened to it that much. I sort of tend to get stuck in my favorite few albums and I have them on repeat. And Train of Thought and Scenes from a Memory are the two main albums from Dream Theater that I love so much. So I hope you've enjoyed these words about Dream Theater and this album. And most often here on the Andrew Lake podcast, we finish each episode with a short, spontaneous, guided meditation. So what I thought I might do now is we'll actually do the meditation that's on this album. Now, we won't regress back into past lives. We'll just leave it as an open-ended meditation. We're not going to be going back into deep memory and transsomatic experiencing. If you want to, if it opens up for that, then that's okay. But I thought I'd just say this. I mean, there's something to be said about parroting other words. The recording of Terry Brown is so nice. I don't know if I can really do it as much justice as he does it. But nonetheless, let's just try it. Maybe you'll enjoy it because it's a different accent. So if it's comfortable for you to do so, stop what you're doing, close your eyes, sit down, and be ready for the guided meditation from Scenes from a Memory by Dream Theater. And this will be open-ended, so you can... Take a few moments and take your time. Close your eyes and begin to relax. Take a deep breath and let it out slowly. Concentrate on your breathing. With each breath, you become more relaxed. Imagine a brilliant white light above you. Focus in on this light as it flows through your body. Allow yourself to drift off as you fall deeper and deeper into a more relaxed state of mind. 
Now, as I count back from ten to one, you will feel more peaceful and calm. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. You will enter a safe place where nothing can harm you. Five. Four. Three. Two. If at any time you need to come back, all you must do is open your eyes. One.